So on the note of youth, um, I have a great little quote, and it is, And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? And it came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? That was written by Dr. Seuss. And I like this one, too. People are so worried about what they eat between Christmas and New Year, but they really should be worried about what they eat between New Year and Christmas, which I think is kind of a a good one. Um, On the issue of indulgence, could anybody relate with indulgence a bit? Um, I certainly can. Um, The Greek philosopher Plato, basically trying to sum up the appetites of the human person, said that uh, we all have basically three desires. Um, One is for um, pleasure, you know, Christmas presents and eating a lot of fudge and all the things that we just spent our time doing the last few days. We all like to be comfortable We like bodily pleasures, right? We like to sleep and lie in and watch TV and eat stuff and have fun. So there's our appetites in that way. There's also what he called our rational appetite, right? We like to know stuff. We like to figure things out. We like to know why. From the time little kids are this big, they say, why, Daddy, why, Mommy? And still we do that, don't we? We read newspapers. We want to theologically understand things, and that's very deep in us. And then there's a third appetite he called the spirited appetite, and that's the appetite to be considered by others to be an outstanding person, an excellent person, to be thought of as wise or smart or whatever it might be. And these things are all part of our being, aren't they? These desires for comfort, pleasure, desire to figure things out, and the desire to be noticed, right, to have a good reputation. And today's passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians is about that spirited appetite, that appetite for um, recognition. And Paul says, and the reading wasn't totally right in your bulletin, but here's the passage. Paul says, before the coming of this faith, and he's talking about the birth of Christ, Before the coming of this faith, Jesus being born in a manger, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was put in charge of us until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. And he basically says, you know, Before Jesus was born in that dirty manger, we were under the law, but now that Jesus has come, everything has changed. We're no longer under the law. And Eugene Peterson puts it this way in the message, which I like. He says, until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children 
will really get to the place they set out for. But now, you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. So today's message could be summed up in these words. In the coming of Christ, in Christmas, those of us who believe and follow him are all equal. We're all equal. It's a total level playing field. That's what this message is about. If you take one thing home, take home that in the coming of Christ, we, those of us who believe and follow him, are all equal. That Jesus, being born in a manger, leveled the playing field, making all believers totally equal. So I want to give a little bit of a backdrop to this letter to the Galatians. Paul went on a missionary journey. He went to this place called Galatia. He preached the gospel to them, and God came. People believed. There was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and amazing things were happening. There was a revival in Galatia. But there was a problem, and the problem was that um, every time Paul went somewhere, there was kind of this Jewish cleanup crew that followed him. And what they basically did is he would go preaching this message of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and there would be these people that just would, these Jewish missionaries that would come and basically say, well, you can't believe everything that Paul said. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, Paul says, I'm astonished, he's writing this letter to them, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay, so he gets wind of the fact that they've, they've changed direction. And he's actually pretty upset. He says um, he thought the gospel was harmful. And he says, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be eternally condemned. So this wasn't like some, you know, when does the rapture come, kind of whatever. This is a ma- massive issue. And Paul is... He's miffed about it. He sees it as an absolute distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, in 325, we just read, he says, Now that faith has come, we are no longer under supervision of the law. That was Paul's message to the Jews and the Gentiles was forget the law. It doesn't matter anymore. There's, it has no authority in your life any longer. And he felt that to be essential message. So what was their gospel? What was the gospel that this cleanup crew was preaching? And I think it's really important that we get this. They thought, what they preached was that being a Christian meant accepting Christ so that converted Jews could continue in their religion. Do, Do you get that? They were basically saying accept Christ and then continue following the Torah, bit by bit, law by law. And also that circumcision, which is a weird concept, and for a long time I didn't really understand what it meant, but circumcision was just a symbol for men that they would be cut off, you get the symbolism, from worldly passions and desires. So this cleanup crew was going around saying you need to be circumcised, The symbol is important so you can be cut off from worldly passions. And you also need to follow the Torah. And their basis for doing this, in one sense, was 
um, understandable because they believed that, that it was kind of like a virtuous thing if you, just like an athlete, you know, athletes perform thousands of hours of training, right, in order to play well on game day. And the idea, kind of the ethical idea to the Jews was if you train hard enough, if you work hard enough, that you'll become an excellent person. And so they really pushed this idea of observing the Torah and of circum- circumcision. But the key and the problem was that the Torah and circumcision was their entire system. Do you understand that? To the Jews, without the law, without the Torah, and without circumcision, there is no religion. There is no faith. And so they were threatened. The message of Paul to a Jew was completely pulling the rug out from under their religion. He threatened the entire system. The message of the gospel, today's reading, threatened the entire system of the day. We no longer need the law because in Christ we're all equal. Right? It's a powerful message. They wanted their religion to continue. They were afraid of losing market share. So, there's this famous confrontation between Peter and Paul. Do you remember the confrontation? You heard of it before? Peter's Jewish, and his mission is to the Jews. Paul's is to the Gentiles. And Peter shows up around Gentiles, and he doesn't follow the laws. He's eating with them. He's not observing some of the holy orders with purity rites and stuff like that. So he's around the Jews, smoking a cigar, you know, (laughs) playing on his Game Boy or whatever, his iPhone, having a beer. And then he gets around the Jews and he's Mr. Mr. Jewish boy. There's a double standard. And Paul, you know, this is a pretty tough dude. He says, um, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Feisty, isn't he? Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, this is a major confrontation. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So Paul's not just concerned, uh, Peter's not just concerned with his religious reputation, but he's also forcing Gentiles to this exacting standard of the law. Why? Why was Peter acting like this? Because his religious reputation, remember when I talked about Plato, his spirited appetite, his appetite to be thought of as a holy man was more important to him than his character living a double life. 
got this one group and he acts this way. He's got this one group and he acts that way. She's a hypocrite. Wanting to impress people really bad. It meant everything to him to keep his standing amongst this group that he grew up with, this Jewish group. Paul says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. He drives this home. In the coming of Christ, we, those of us who believe, are all equal. Peter didn't get that. Paraphrase in the words of the comedian Benny Hill, and I never really watched many of his shows. Roses are red, violets are bluish. If it weren't for Christmas, we'd all be Jewish. So I want to just talk practically about what this means to us today, and then I'll be done. Um, First, and I used to work a lot with younger people, and, and they loved this kind of passage. It's a level playing field, man. We're all the same. Mother Teresa and me and Billy Graham. (laughs) This does not mean that we throw away the Ten Commandments. No. Because Jesus in the whole New Testament emphasizes that, yes, this faith of ours is about behavior. Behavior matters. And behavior matters because of how our behavior could hurt others and hurt ourselves, right? So we don't throw, obviously, the baby out with the bathwater. There are rules, there are codes of conduct that are important for the sake of others and for the sake of ourselves. Let me get that out of the way. I think we all know that. But we must all recognize, and these are the principles that you can apply to your life if you're taking notes. We must recognize our Peter-like pull to be people-pleasers. Can any of you relate with that? I certainly can. <clears throat> and that could come because of a lot of issues. Could be, it oftentimes come because of family of origin issues. Like for me, I didn't grow up in a home where I was tip, typically praised and encouraged often. And so there's this need in me to win approval, right? Because I just didn't get enough. And so we want to please everybody. We want to be people pleasers. Maybe Peter came from such a home. But it's very possible that Peter was indoctrinated as a young man in his church or religious environment to be religious in public places, to be all things to all men. But we want to be respected and we live in a culture where image is everything. And this is, I'm taking a bit of a risk to tell this story, but I do yoga. That was hard for me to say. And one of the reasons, and Todd knows this, is, is because I think that maybe Christians will think that I, like, I'm a new age Christian or something like that. I don't know, that I, you know, bow to the sun god or something like that. If I do yoga religiously, um, I got it out, wow. (laughs) Um, And there's something funny that happens when I'm doing my hot yoga. Um, If there's another male in the class, it's mostly females typically, but there are usually a few men in the class, 
And, and yesterday there was this guy with tattoos like from here to there, from neck down. And, and, and I'm in the front and he's right here. And, and you never know if anyone in the class, you know, if they're new, if, if they're any good. Well, this guy like within the first posture was like Mr. Yoga. You know, he was like, he was, he was really, I don't know if you say good, I don't know, um, limber, you know, whatever. Um, and there's something that happens in me in these situations, like this yoga example. I suddenly find myself becoming incredibly competitive in yoga. Like, there's this, there's this weird need for me to present myself as better than I am. Do you see the correlation? And so I'm like doing these things, you know, I'm about to die, you know. But man, as long as I could have the people around me see that he's not that much better, I somehow feel justified or something weird like that. And we all have this thing in us, don't we? I mean, don't we have this desire to, to compete, to look better than we are, to, be, to, to appear more spiritual than we are, or, or wealthy than we are, or younger than we are, or, and it's all based on externals, right? And the reason why the Tiger Woods deal, I'm not bagging on Tiger, but the reason why people are like, no way, is because we had this image of who he was, and then we found out who he really was, and it blows our mind, right? It blows our mind. And Paul is saying, stop it, guys. When it comes to your religious reputation, we're all one. It's silly for you to put on these double standards and, 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 and having these multiple personalities, the schizophrenia, when you get into different groups. Because in the manger, the law was kicked out. There is no hierarchy anymore. There are no superstars. We're all one. So first, we must recognize our Peter-like poll to be people pleasers and just a couple more we must recognize that character is more important than reputation and one of my favorite quotations and some of you've heard it before is john wooden who said be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is who you really are and your reputation is merely who other people think you are and that's huge Jesus had a terrible reputation. We've heard this before amongst religious people. Perfect character. Bad reputation, perfect character. And that's the way Paul, following Christ, was saying it needs to be that way. Forget about your reputation, Peter. You're more concerned with your reputation. You're more concerned with casting out this image of godly man, and it shouldn't matter. Wooden's quote is to be contrasted greatly with the quote of Joseph Kennedy, the father of the president, late president. Um, it's not who you really are that matters, but what other people think you are that matters. And so you see these Kennedy photos when they were children, and you see this amazing family with these beautiful teeth, and they're just all hugging, but... Behind the scenes, that wasn't what was going on in the Kennedy family. Joe Kennedy was completely fixated on presenting this reputation of this amazing family, but history is very clear now that behind the scenes it wasn't so amazing. Again, that's not a dig at the Kennedys, or it's not because I'm trying to, you know, castigate a certain uh, political party, but 
it's very different than Wooden's theory and the theory um, and value that Paul's trying to get forth. And just a couple quick points. Um, we must, this is a, a line from the 12 steps. Uh, we must realize that our insides often don't match what we see on the outsides of others. That our insides, feeling lonely or depressed or insecure or fearful, that our insides, some of you might have come today and you're just not really there, and then we show up to church and it was like, hey, how's it going? Praise God, I'm just doing so well. Right? We oftentimes compare what we're feeling on our insides with the outsides of others, and that's, that's just a dead-end street because we very seldom reveal our hearts, and so we're going around thinking everyone's perfect and that we're not. Um, and we, we shouldn't do that. And finally, we need to reflect on what God has to say in his word. For example, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. It's the gift that was in the manger. Not by works so that no one can boast. In the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, those of us who believe and follow him are all equal. That's the message of Jesus in the manger. The playing field is now level. Thank you for listening. For more information about Holy Trinity Church, please visit us online at www.myholytrinitychurch.com.